Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Front Porch Tailgate. I'm Michael Scott. And I'm Byron Hazley. Welcome to the 61st episode of the podcast. That's right. We have a great show lined up for you guys today. How's it going over there, Byron? Pretty good, Mike. I can't complain. I mean, 61 episodes. What is there to complain about? How are you doing, sir? You know what I'm doing all right. I have... I'm going on about an hour's sleep in the past 24 hours, so I'm a little exhausted, but things are looking up. I just found my glasses there that, you I go. Able, that I haven't been able to find since Thanksgiving. That's a major win for you, and all you had to do was clear off your sloppy desk. Yeah, it's a little <laughs> bit of a mess right now. I do clean it up. I do clean it up halfway every couple of days because there's a lot of water bottles and things on there, but... uh yeah, it was it was hidden under the tripod of my camera. Gotcha. All right. Well, I think we've got an exciting show headed this way, huh? Do we now? I know there's a lot to talk about. There's well, a lot happening in sports. I, I tell you what, Mike. I for this episode, I even brought out the moonshine. If you can hear my glass shaking a little bit, yes. Shout out to a friend of the Front Porch Tailgate Podcast, Michael Wallace-Seals. Appreciate you for mixing addition. Yeah, that's my guy, man. What uh, what does this uh, moonshine mix entail? uh, There are, I believe, four different whiskeys within it. So it's a a salted caramel. You got to be careful with this one. A cinnamon salted caramel, yeah, man. It's, I mean, it's phenomenal. I love it. Uh, I just tapped myself out, so it's time to get a refill for the holiday season. Well, it's, uh, it sounds pretty good. I might have to uh, jump in the vehicle and uh, make a drive down to Romeo tonight. Get, <laughs> like get I a, said, I'm tapped moon, out. Get you a moonshine be- on the rocks. Well, you save that one for me. You put that in the fridge. I'll be there. <laughs> All right, well, let's jump in. Uh, before we get going too far, I would like to recognize uh, all the young young men that signed their national letters of intent today. This is the first day of the early signing period for college football. Uh, numerous players from across the country and even outside of the country, in some cases, signed their national letters of intent to go play college football. So congratulations to those young men. Best of luck to you and all your future endeavors. There was a lot of stuff that went down today. Yeah, I saw that. Quite a few flips. I mean, if you want, we can dive into it a little bit. I know your uh, Wolverines lost two four-stars, unfortunately. They did, they did, but they did manage to grab their uh, quarterback, a four-star, J.J. McCarthy, and a pretty uh, highly ranked wide receiver out of California, Xavier Worthy. Um, as, as well as the number two running back in the nation. Yeah, you know, I mean, Michigan's Michigan. Like I said, I'm trading in either them or the Lions. So, in uh, choosing a new team to root for. Uh, so, basically... It's all going to boil down to what happens to Jim Harbaugh, which I'm pretty sure he's staying. And then uh, it's also going to boil down to what happens with the Lions GM and coach search. So, I mean, with that being the case, I mean, if Harbaugh is to leave, 
Do you think you guys will lose any of those kids that signed their national letter of intent today? You know, you know, Byron, I don't know. I know that all they really basically got to do now is put their uh, name in the transfer portal and they can talk to whoever they want. Well, if a coach leaves before you arrive on campus. Oh, you're talking about the new recruits that aren't even there yet. Uh, Yes, correct. I wouldn't be shocked to see a lot of those guys decommit. Yeah. Well, we'll see. We'll ultimately see what happens. But, again, just wanted to recognize those young men. I'm happy my Spartans landed a couple of primetime recruits, and we'll see what Mel Tucker's cooking up there. Can't be much. I love how you like to throw in the little slights. I just Uh, know they weren't ranked in the uh, top 25. No, they're 33, but for a guy that hasn't been allowed to have any kids on campus to be ranked 33rd nationally – I'll take it. Hey, you know what? Those are building blocks. I think uh, Mel Tucker's going to do a very good job there. Yeah. All right, so let's jump into some NBA talk here, Mike. I know this is something that you love to talk about. So, Which uh, all I want to talk about at this point. Yeah, big news <laughs> out of Milwaukee here. Uh, your boy Giannis signed a major deal. Tell us a little bit about that, Mike. Yeah, so uh, yesterday Giannis and uh, the Bucks reached an agreement on a Supermax extension. Uh, the deal was worth five years and $228 million that goes onto his current contract. Now, that deal he'll be able to opt out after four years, and there's also a 15% trade kicker involved. And uh, so basically, he secures the bag, he gets the money, while also keeping him flexible because he'll he'll be able to test the market again in his early 30s. So it's basically a win-win for Giannis, and it's a win-win for the Bucks. And really, at this point, I think it uh, goes a long way to uh, end the speculation, at least for the time being of the possibility of Giannis being on the move out of Milwaukee. Interesting. Now, did you hear anything about him in negotiations presenting his wish list of players? You know what? I have not heard that yet. It's definitely something I'd like to look into. I'd have to think that the reason why he chose to get this deal done now is because the Bucks are still on the search for that third star to really put a team together to make a run at an NBA championship. You know, they they added Drew Holiday in the offseason. They got a lot better, and they picked up a lot of veteran pieces. But those pieces aren't necessarily uh, sexy, you know, additions, and they're more um, geared towards contracts that they're going to be able to move down the line towards the trade deadline or throughout the season. Did you hear about the did you hear about any of the players on his wish list? Yeah, so I heard of a couple. Um one in particular was Bradley Beal. Uh that's a nice one. I like yeah, that. Yeah, trying to land Bradley Beal uh from the Washington Wizards in Milwaukee. And I just wanted to get your thoughts on that because I think that would be a great fit, a guy that loves to pound the paint like Giannis with a guy that's a mm-hmm. knockdown shooter and could create on his own like Bradley Beal along with Drew Holiday. Whew. Yeah, I the, like the, it. The, the, thing I, the thing I like about this uh, 
this potential scenario, like you said, Giannis, you know, can power it down inside. Then you got Bradley Bill. He's a guy who doesn't necessarily have to create his own shot. He can also catch and shoot. And, you know, they've mentioned that Drew Holiday's probably going to play a lot of point guard for the Bucks this year. And he's a guy who can both facilitate and create his own shot as well. And I really think it uh, would go a long way to making the Bucks a very dangerous team. Uh, because any of those guys are capable of going off for 25, anywhere from 25 to 35 points a night. No, yeah, I agree with you, Mike. So we'll see what happens. I think, uh, to your point earlier, Milwaukee is not done. They'll have plenty of moves to be made here, especially as we get near that uh, trade deadline for the NBA. Who else did you hear was on the list? Um, Some shooters, so Bogdanovich. That was a guy that was on there. Mm, the one they um, tried to get. Yeah, through. and he said he still wants them to go after him. And he also said that uh, other NBA players have been reaching out to him, trying to join forces. Who so, knows? Giannis might have got a call from Shake Milton. <laughs> he may have got a call from <laughs> LeBron. Who knows? Exactly. Uh, <laughs> Talon uh, Horton Tucker yeah. looking for a team. Hey, baby. He got one. He's in L.A. But, yeah, uh, he might get some clock there, too. We'll see what happens. Oh, he's definitely going to get some clock. I don't hey, imagine if he does LeBron. The, if he does, the uh, Los Angeles fans are going to be extremely disappointed because your boy Alex Caruso will be taking a back seat at that point. No, nah, he doesn't play point guard. He's more of a uh, shooting guard, small forward. So they could, they could live together. And I Ugh. think LeBron – is going to kind of dial back some of those minutes this year. I think this will be one of the first seasons where we really, really see him dialing back some minutes. Oh, I, I completely agree with you because I think he wants to keep playing and he wants to keep winning. I think he's going to try to do the uh, the Bill Russell thing, you know, and really just put a stamp on this uh, argument that he's uh, trying to surpass Jordan in. Um and I think what you're going to see is Anthony Davis emerge this year as the on-court leader of the Lakers. You know, he was pretty dominant in the NBA finals and throughout the playoffs. And I think it's about time that uh, LeBron takes a step back and, you know, they ride, they ride with AD and see how far he can take them. Yeah, we'll see here. The season starts to rev up, I believe, next week. Um so more to come on the NBA. You'll be hearing a lot from that on uh, the front porch tailgate. Before we before we go too far, let's dive back into Giannis real quick, okay? So his heart is clearly in Milwaukee. You know, he said time and again he wants to win an NBA championship there. He wants to play his whole career there. And he wants to be a, a one-team type of player. You know, he doesn't want to move, and a report came out that he asked his mother what she thought, and she said she didn't want to move. Do you think Big Mama's calling all the shots in this situation, Byron? Yeah. Are NBA teams and agents dealing with the wrong guy? No, I don't think so. I think his heart was really there, and her just saying she didn't really want to move kind of was icing on the cake for him. I hear you. All right, let's let's get out of here. I just wanted to uh, bring that up real quick because that was a I know that was a major factor in the decision. 
Absolutely. So uh, let's pivot here to the NFL. I don't know if you caught Monday Night Football, Mike. I was definitely tuning in for more reasons than just watching some football. I had a fantasy football matchup on the line. Mm. Huge, huge matchup. My big money league. So shout out to Nick Chubb for getting the job done. But uh, digressing back to the storyline of this, uh, the game was extremely exciting in the second half. You saw the Browns go down by two scores. Baker Mayfield brings the Browns back. They get a lead. Uh, looking like the Ravens are done. Their playoff hopes are shot. Next thing you know, their backup, Lamar Jackson, leaves the field. Their backup QBs on the field, Trace McSorley, he tears his ACL. So they don't even have another quarterback. Oh, no. And just as Trace is on the field laying down, getting carted off, you see Lamar Jackson sprinting from the locker room. Whatever happened to Robert Griffin? He got hurt a couple weeks ago when Lamar was out with COVID. He pulled his hamstring. He's too used to sitting the bench. He got out there, started running, and pulled his hammy. But, But digressing back, so Lamar Jackson comes on the field, fourth and seven, Delivers a go-ahead touchdown for the Ravens, or the game-tying touchdown. They get the ball back. They kick a field goal. Game over. Ravens still in the hunt. Just a remarkable finish to that game. Won by a field goal. You know what, Byron? I caught a little bit of it here and there, you know, and I was watching it, and then when I saw the Browns go down by a a score or two a little bit after halftime. I was like, you know what? This thing's over. I'm done. Got NBA to watch. So I watched NBA preseason. <laughs> you know, you mentioned earlier off the air that uh, that you thought this was sort of a shootout. But really, to me, it was uh, more of like just a back and forth game. It was, I'd say it was a thriller because there was nine or ten rushing touchdowns in the game, right? I believe it set an NFL record. Yeah, I believe they had nine rushing touchdowns. That's incredible. Yeah. Because you had two for Lamar, you had one or two for Gus Edwards, and then one or two for uh, J.K. Dobbins. And then you go over the other side, and Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb and Baker Mayfield were all doing their thing, right? Well, they had five combined so chubb had two hunt had two baker had one it's absolutely fantastic i mean think about it you know the nfl is a league now where everything's based off the quarterback the rules are set up for passers to have success in this league and you've seen the running back position kind of fade out or be uh depreciated over the past 10 years and really it's nice because you you're starting to see the past few years is a trend back towards you know specific runners emerging you got derrick henry doing great things in tennessee he might be a mvp candidate this year before that you had christian mccaffrey doing great things for carolina prior to this year you know and now you see in these teams with these running back tandems really excel right now Absolutely. But I mean, I don't want to sit here and say it was like a ground and pound type game. Baker Mayfield threw for three, three forty three. Um, Not bad for a game manager. Hey, 
he had to. His team was down by 14 points at one point in the game. They had to come back, and they did. I mean, he was able to get his team back in the game. But uh, I believe Lamar Jackson only threw like 17 passes. In the he game. did. He was 11 for 17. He had 163 yards. He threw a touchdown, uh, no interceptions. He had two rushing touchdowns, ran for 124 yards. Uh, Dobbins had one touchdown. Gus the Bus had two touchdowns. So it was an exciting game. It was an exciting game. I mean, like I said, to me, I I call that a shootout. You have a NFL game that ends in forty seven forty two. That's a shootout. Yeah, I mean that that's kind of like a a Big Twelve game. You know, you don't you don't see that high of a score too often, unless the Cowboys are playing somebody. But uh, so. I had two questions taken away from this game. Okay. I got two takeaways, two questions, whatever you want to call it. Uh, The first one is about the Ravens lack of defense in the game. I'm a little concerned because it's supposed to be one of the strengths of this team, you know, and they're, they're playing, they're playing in the AFC, you know, they might run into the Browns if they can both squeak into the playoffs. I don't know what it's looking like right now. There's still the Steelers, who haven't ran the ball that well this year, but they can definitely put up some points. And you got the Chiefs, as always. Well, I mean, as I told you, and as I've said even before the season started, no one's beaten the Chiefs from the AFC. So we've got our Super Bowl contender from the AFC. It's just a matter of games being played, right? But at this point, I believe – Barring any injury to a Patrick. Barring barring any injuries, the Chiefs are in, right? So then on the other side, so just speaking about these two teams, the Browns are currently in as the five seed right now. They're nine and four Mm -hmm. um, ahead of the Colts, Dolphins, and Ravens. The Ravens are eight and five. Um, They're tied with the Dolphins. So are five or six teams getting in this year? Um. I believe so. There's always six teams, and I believe this year seven teams. Are okay, that's in. right. Well, so right now they would lose the tiebreaker to the Dolphins, but the Dolphins, uh, they've got some games ahead of them, three games to go. They're tied with the Ravens, so we'll see. They've got. The Patriots, the Raiders, and the Bills. And that Bills matchup is going to be a tough one. Um, It'll be interesting to see where exactly this Ravens team can go. Right. But to get back to your question, Mike, um, the Ravens, they're really banged up. And honestly, they look a bit old defensively, right? Mm -hmm. Um, They've got a lot of veteran players and we're talking about we're entering week 15 guys are a bit banged up some guys are recovering coming off the COVID-19 list because there was quite a widespread for the Ravens so they're trying to pick up the pieces here and get themselves back together but they continue to find a way at least these last couple of weeks to keep themselves in the hunt for the playoffs. Well, it remains to be seen, you know, what exactly happens. Like you said, we got a few weeks left. The other question I got is about Lamar Jackson. I mean, he's electrifying. He's absolutely phenomenal at times when he's not forced to 
play from behind and pass all game, you know, when, when he's in the driver's seat, mm-hmm. he's really fun to watch. My question is this. How long can he keep this act up? I mean, this is a guy who you got to be concerned that sooner or later at some point he's going to he's gonna get hurt, right, because he's running the ball so much. He's really putting that body at risk. I mean, the guy is so elusive. You know, now you're sounding like me and I'm sounding like you from a year ago. You know, the guy is just really elusive. Uh, he doesn't really take big hits. He slides, he gets out of bounds, he doesn't really try to run people over. You've got a lot of quarterbacks that will try to drop their shoulder thinking they're still in high school. Lamar knows, he knows his body, he knows what he needs to do. Um, I would give him, you know, I think Lamar could have a nice 10-year career in the NFL. I think this is year three. He's got a good seven left. Yeah, I don't know. Cam Newton didn't make it that far. Cam Newton's been in the NFL over 10 years, hasn't he? I don't even know. He's about done at this point. I'm but almost certain he's been in the league. You, so you're basically, you're basically saying that Lamar Jackson, that his skill set running the football and his elusivity is comparable to basically a Barry Sanders. Or like a Michael Vick. I would say he's very comparable to Michael Vick. Yeah, Michael, Michael Vick was fantastic. Yeah, and so is Lamar. I mean, they both have electric arms. Um, I think Lamar may be a bit – he may have a bit better touch than Michael Vick. But Michael Vick had a cannon. Well, so does Lamar. Could you imagine being one of the dogs that used to play fetch with Michael Vick, how far you would be running to get the dog bone all the time? Come on, man. <laughs> you know what I mean? Just like, go and get it. Just launch it 75 yards. Come on, man. Unreal. Unreal. Unreal is that joke. He just tried hey, to lay but, it but, but But you got to think about it, right? You think about Not it. Not really. Mean, he's got a rocket launcher for a left arm. It, it's a shame that all that happened to Michael Vick because, I mean, he really – and you watch his 30 for 30 doc, he had the talent to be probably one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. But he himself even admitted he really didn't have the work ethic. And he surrounded himself by people that didn't motivate him to aspire to be great. Right. And he has, I mean, and I think to the inverse of that, Lamar does have that. He does have that uh that desire, that want to, to be great. Mm-hmm. Definitely. So what else, what else do we got on the docket? Yeah. So let's dive into our conference reviews, our divisional reviews. And today we're going to stick close to home. We're going to talk about the NFC North. So Packers, Vikings, Bears, and the good old Lions. Forward down the field. Not so fast, my friend. Uh, (laughs) They are not going down the field fast. But uh, let's start right there with the Lions, I guess. So the Lions, they're, you know, the Lions, SOL, same old Lions. But um, they're looking to shake things up. So they fired Matt Patricia, fired Bob Quinn. They brought in a group of former players, 
um, such as Chris Spillman, Barry Sanders, and a couple of other uh, former Lions to help with the hire of the new coach. Yeah, they're going to serve as uh, special advisors to Rob Wood. Absolutely. And uh, I still don't understand how Rob Wood has a job, but that's that's a different conversation for a different day. Uh, but digressing back, you know, I'm interested to see who the general manager hire is. Uh, I know a lot of people have been pointing to Robert uh, – what's his name? Uh, Robert Selah of the 49ers as mm-hmm. our next head coach. But I think the most important position before you hire a coach is to get your general manager in there and then let him find the guy that he wants. So if we're able to do that, I feel we'll be in a good spot. If we can get that right, get the general manager position right. Mm-hmm. Well, here's the thing, you know, digressing back to uh, – Rod Wood, this guy's still got a job because he is basically the Ford family's right-hand man, okay? He worked for them for years at Ford. You know, then they task him with running the Lions, but he's not really a football guy, right? And I think that's where these special advisors come in. They're going to help aid him in hiring uh, a GM and coach that are qualified. They went the other route last time and they hired a a group to come in you know and got help from the nfl and that group selected them bob quinn and uh matt patricia right right and so that didn't work so now it's like what are we going to do now we got to take a shot in the dark here with the old lions glory and some of the guys that were on the last Lions seem to win a playoff game and so here we are, and you got Lewis Riddick, you're interviewing for the GM job, coming up here pretty quick. Are there any other names out there you think might be a good fit as a GM for the Lions? Yeah, so they've got, uh, I believe, um, one of the front office. I don't know names, Mike, but I can oh, tell you what sorry. team they're from. They have one of the assistant general managers for the 49ers that they're interested in interviewing. They're also interested in interviewing um, one of the front off execs for Kansas city with the chiefs. Um, there was another one. Uh, I, w- I, you know who I think that they should go out and take a look at interviewing is maybe, maybe a, Maybe someone in the front office of the Pittsburgh Steelers, because this is a team that constantly. Oh yes, that was the other one. That was the other one. One of the front office guys. He's been with them since like 2000. That they're interested in. He's one of their top choices. You know, we know, we know the anybody you get from the Patriots generally uh, ends up being a, a bust no-go. in the NFL. You know, is <laughs> a no go. Base besides uh, that coach they got down there in Miami right now, but uh, you know, coach is doing pretty good too, Joe Judge. Yeah, he is. He is. It's it's early though. You know, we're not going to get too high on him. You know, they are they are four and one in their last five. But uh, yeah, I mean, like you said, Robert Saleh's a nice pick. But here here's my thing, right? Like Detroit, every time they hire a coach. Dating back to Jeff Garcia, 
Well, I guess not because Caldwell was an offensive coach, right? Yeah. But but it seems like they always tend to trend at least. Uh, not Jeff Garcia. What was his name? Mariucci. They always okay. are going for these defensive coaches. Well, we're in an offensive league right now, and really the teams you see winning out there, yeah, you got some good defensive teams like the Steelers, but the teams that really have been winning championships for a lot of years now are these teams that have uh, – you know, potent offenses and these bend don't break defenses. And so really I think the route they need to go is I need to find an offensive guy. So you're you're saying outside of the dominance from the Patriots. I would say that the Patriots last season to the halfway point were dominant. The year before that they were dominant. But they didn't have an absolutely incredible defense all those years that they won those Super Bowls. When Matt Patricia was there, they weren't as good of a defense as people would have thought. No, that's 100% correct. However, their head coach is a defensive-minded guy. Mm -hmm. So that's why I brought up the Patriots, because their head coach is a defensive-minded guy. Well, here's the thing. People got to stop wanting to be the Patriots. I mean, there's only one. There's one Bill, Bill Belichick, right? There's right. only one, often imitated, never duplicated. You know, Matt Patricia thought he could be the next Bill Belichick in every way, shape, or form, and the guy flat out fell on his face. Yeah, well, I mean, there's more than just him, though, right? You can look like at Pittsburgh with Mike Tomlin. The guy's never had a losing record. He's always been at least 8-8 eight and eight or better, right? Right. I think one of the reasons, though, you see like a franchise like the Steelers excel so often, whether it be Mike Tomlin or Bill Cower or whoever was there before, is that franchise and the Patriots have been models of consistency. They're not shaking things up every three years. I mean, these, these are organizations that have built in cultures of winning and they have history. I mean, the Lions, you know, yeah. Like you said, you know, for three years, it's this guy. For three years, it's this guy. For three years, it's this guy. You know, we're going to turn over the whole roster in that process so we can get someone, get some guys to fit our new program. I got one more, and then I'm going to let you prove your point that you were trying to make. So uh, what about Pete Carroll out in Seattle? What about him? He's a defensive-minded coach. Yes, I would. I would have to think that Pete Carroll, because when he first took that Seahawks job, they definitely benefited from the defenses that he put together, and the Legion of Boom, you know, and all those fantastic guys they had on the defensive side of the ball. But since then, you've seen that success wane a little bit. And Russell Wilson, in my opinion, is an incredible quarterback, one of the top three quarterbacks in the league, and has been so probably since his. I would say third or fourth year in the league. He's very, very good. He's made top things three. happen with bad offensive lines, with little running game. And uh, so now, though, what you're seeing is they can't get that defense figured out for the Seahawks. And in my opinion, Pete Carroll is one more year removed from possibly not having that job anymore if they can't get anything done. Because how long are you going to sit here and let Pete Carroll and the lack of defense for the Seahawks waste the rest of Russell Wilson's career. I think you're out to lunch on that one. Pete Carroll ain't going anywhere. Um, I, I, he, I would I would credit the success of the Seahawks more towards the 
the drafting of John Schneider than I would to beat Carroll's defense. Uh, I'll say I'll agree to disagree and we can move forward. My whole point in bringing it up was that it was a counterpoint to yours saying that we need to move towards an offensive coach, right? Uh, Mm -hmm. I'm just saying that teams that seem to have the most stability are those that have defensive-minded coaches, right? Teams that I don't are, know. You've had Andy Reid as a model of stability in Kansas City for how many years now? They were winning football games and competing for the playoffs before Patrick Mahomes got there. He correct. was the missing piece they needed to go to the next level. Yeah, I mean, Andy Reid's a hell of a coach. He's won wherever he's been. Yeah, but, you know, uh, offensive uh, coaches do succeed in this league. No, absolutely. But, I mean, they come and they go, right? They come and they go. They're in one year, out the next. Look at the Eagles, up, down, up, down. You know, look at the Rams, up, down, up, down. So, I mean, we're going to see more consistency, I believe, from a defensive-minded coach that that is able to implement his system, get buy-in from the general manager, and get the players – take the players that they have from the from the jump and get the most out of them, right? Don't try to be like Patricia and say, hey, I need this kind of player in order to be successful because yeah. you'll never be successful. There's not enough time. For, for me, really, when I think about it, it's all about what do we talk about in games that make the best teams, the coaches that make adjustments at halftime, right? Correct. The ones that not, usually go out and win. Well, I think the best coaches and the best GMs are the ones that make adjustments when the league starts trending in a certain direction, right? So, for example, you got Mike Vrabel having success with Tennessee right now. They don't have the league's best defense right now, even though they're a defensive-oriented football team. Right. But they're running the football when everyone else is set up to stop the pass. You know, and then then you go and you look at teams like – for example, uh, you said uh, we were talking about the Chiefs. Oh, we can talk about the Ravens, right? Yeah. You've had uh, you've had John Harbaugh stay with the Ravens so long. He was a special teams coach. And a staple of the Baltimore Ravens has always been that they're tough on defense. But at the same time, he's been able to allow that team to reinvent themselves time and again on offense. You know, they had Flacco. They ran the football with Ray Rice, you know. Then they had a couple down years, and then all of a sudden they're running the football again here with Lamar Jackson, you know. And and you see different teams have success when they make those moves. And so basically my whole point out of all this is, if we're talking Lions, is – these guys are always trying to do like be good at one thing. Like let's be the defensive Patriots. Let's be this. Why don't we just be right. versatile and play to the personnel we have? Exactly. Instead of bringing in coaches who are going to want to, you know, flip this roster upside down. Right. Right. That's you, my whole point. Yeah. You need a coach that's able to deal with what he has and then add to it. Like I can do this with the players that I have. And, you know, when you think back to a guy like Jim Caldwell, he was able to do that, right? 
he was able to get the most out of the players that he had. They may not have been great, but he got the most out of them. That's Mm -hmm. why he's got the highest win percentage of any coach in the modern era for the Lions. Mm -hmm. Think think about it like this. We talked about Baker Mayfield being a game manager, right? And uh, they rebuilt the offensive line. They, you know, they got two good running backs. The Lions got, I would say, one decent running back. They got one good running back right now. They got the rookie who you definitely can see is going to be a star. They got an aging Adrian Peterson who's still capable of getting after it in the first half. And Kirion's just carry out, right? Yeah. You got, right now you have a marginal, a marginal offensive line. And they're not the best pass-blocking offensive line. But what they can do is run the football when they want to. You know, they're able to get things going early before they fall behind and they start passing, right? And if you can go out and you can get another lineman in this draft, add to those guys that are already a veteran presence on that line, because linemen tend to really get better unless they're a stud the further they get into their career because they learn to make those adjustments at the line. They learn how the game is played in the NFL, right? And so barring any injury or barring, you know, them just being a flat-out stud and being a star from day one, you see those guys get better over time. If you can bring in some rookies or younger guys behind them, maybe get another back, I don't think it's out of the question that Matt Stafford could be a pretty good game manager for you instead of flipping this whole franchise upside down. Interesting. Um, because I'm not I'm not of the idea that I want a full rebuild right now. No, I'm with you, and that's why I said I think the biggest key is getting the general manager and then him getting the coach so that they're on the same page. Because when you look at the NFL, you got three to four years. Do you think you can rebuild an entire 53-man roster in three to four years? Go ask Bob Quinn and Matt Patricia how that worked out for them. And it didn't well. work out too well. And you see, well. you see teams like uh, the Lions just got to find a knack, you know? Like, what are we going to be good at? What is going to be our identity? Because they can't figure it out, right? They were a passing team with Kelvin Johnson and, they, and you know, Golden Tate and Matt Stafford are always playing from behind. They couldn't play any defense, haven't played defense in 100 years. You know, that haven't ran the football since Barry Sanders. These guys all of a sudden want to turn them into a, pat, a run first team that plays defense. You know, that obviously doesn't work. They got to pick something and stick with it. You know, what are the Detroit Lions going to be about besides losing? <laughs> you know, right, right. Well, that's enough on the Lions. So let's talk about the rest of the division and some teams that are still playing for something, right? So we've got the Bears and we've got the Vikings. They're both sitting at six and seven. They both have an opportunity to make it into the playoffs as we say, as we speak right now. So the Vikings are the eighth seed. The Bears are the ninth ninth seed. They're one game back of the Cardinals, who are seven and six, and they've got a tough matchup this week. Um, So one or both of those teams have an opportunity to make it into the playoffs. So I say to you, Mike, do you think either of those teams make the playoffs? I don't think the Bears are going in. I mean, that's a team that started five and one. 
you know, they're, the Bears are trash. The defensive players are not motivated to be there. You know, they got Mitch Trubisky as their quarterback who doesn't do anything against anybody unless he's playing the Lions. You got the Vikings over here. They got the a couple weeks ago. I'm not sure where they're at now, but they had the number one red zone scoring offense in the NFL. Yeah, Delvin Cook, who's a probably, in my opinion, a top five back at this point in the league. You got Adam Thielen, who's vastly underrated as both a red zone threat and as a pass catcher in general. And then you have Kirk Cousins, who's been a very solid and steady quarterback for a long period of time dating back to Washington. He just doesn't jump up and get you those elite numbers. So I don't think he gets the respect he deserves. But this is a team who's knocked New Orleans out of the playoffs a few times in the past few seasons. Oh, yeah, yeah, in the postseason. Okay. And that's when it matters most, really. They just can't play defense. And, you know, if they were to make it in, Mike, it's funny that you bring that up. If if everything stays as it is today and they're able to sneak in in the Cardinals' place, they would be playing New Orleans. <laughs> I mean, if, 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 uh, if your man oh, – I'm drawing a blank spot Kirky now. Cousins. Kirky Cousins from Michigan State, the Eastlands and Spartan. Goes into the playoffs and beats Drew Brees and Sean and Sean Payton for a third time. He's got to start getting some credit around the league, right? We'll see. It depends on if people he has should a start to speak about him in higher volumes than what they currently do. Well, it depends on what kind of game he has. If he has, if he's getting a victory like Jimmy Garoppolo was in the playoffs last year, where he throws for thirty yards, then no, he's not going to get any respect. But listen, if he goes listen, in there and he, puts the team on his back, don't disrespect you know, your own guy. Who, Kirky? He's. A, I he's mean, a, hey, hey, he's hey, a Spartan. Hey. You know damn well Kirk Cousins has thrown for more than thirty yards in a playoff game. I I understand. He'll at least that. get you a buck seventy-five. I understand that, but you're not going to get much respect throwing for a buck seventy-five because that <laughs> means they got it done on the ground. Ryan Tannehill got one hundred twenty-five million. Yeah, well, for I mean, a buck hey, 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 Kirk is getting paid now. <laughs> you can look at his contract. I think he's he's earning around like twenty-five million per year. He's one of the highest-paid players in oh, the NFL. Goodness. So they someone, so someone in the front office respects him. You better you better pass me that moonshine. <laughs> Comparing Jimmy Garoppolo to Kirk Cousins. That was They're f- very comparable. I liked Jimmy Garoppolo. We were arguing about it last year at this time, and you know what? He's turned out to be a complete fluke. I was Just wrong on Jim. I was wrong on porn star Jimmy. And you know what? This guy's gonna be looking for a job pretty soon. I love that's music to my ears that I'm hearing that because I called it last year, but hey, I'm man enough to admit when I'm wrong. And then, uh, so just finishing off the NFC North, so we can pivot to the picks. Maybe we'll got the uh, Packers, who have already locked up the division. They beat the Lions last week in Detroit to claim the division again. They're currently the one seed in the NFC, so we'll see how they ultimately fare. Do you think the Packers are a contender? A right true now, contender? Right now, yes, but I'm in the midst of uh, seeking out the equalizer to uh, remove him from any further contests. So I'm trying to get Denzel on the phone. 
Ooh. so we can get Denzel the equalizer. We gotta get we gotta get Aaron Rodgers out of the NFC North, man. Ain't nobody's gonna win anything as long as he's still playing, dude. The guy is unreal. I think he's got what forty touchdowns right now. I don't know, but he's having a good year. He's definitely having a good year. He's didn't, staying in. Didn't, didn't at this time last year I put a, a put a a price tag out on someone? Said. I, don't I think know. it wasn't I think, Aaron Rodgers because I know, but I think it's the anniversary of it. It's about time I put a price tag out on his head. Jeez. No, Thank no, it you. was it was last year. We wanted someone's leg broken. Do you remember who it was? No. I remember in the preseason you were talking about uh Dalvin Cook's leg being broken. So that, that wasn't was? last year. Yeah, it was in the preseason you were talking about it because this year's preseason? Yes, this year's preseason. Well, it's only been a few months, so we're we're about ready to get things a little amped up again. They're going nowhere fast, the Vikings, that is. But, uh, yeah, Aaron Rodgers, 39 touchdowns this year, so he's having a heck of a year. Makes the Packers want to really think twice about drafting Jordan Love, huh? Well, you kind of knew that was coming, right? You guys tried to slap him in the face, hire or bring in a QB with the first-round pick, knowing all Rodgers wanted was a wide receiver. And, uh, yeah, you slap him in the face by buying, by uh, bringing in his successor. So you kind of knew Rogers that. is probably one of the top five quarterbacks of all time. I don't know about that. But, again, that's a different top conversation. Top ten. Top ten. That's a different conversation for a different day. Uh, so with that said, Mike, let's move into one of the more exciting pieces of our show, the weekly picks. Uh, so at this time – Last week, I was able to pick up a game on Mike. I'm still trailing by six games. He's uh, he's converting at a 56% rate. I'm converting at a 49% rate for the season. I've got 39 and a half wins. He's got 45 and a half wins. Uh, so let's dive into the picks this week. Uh, we will not be doing any Michigan or Michigan State games, although the Spartans do play Maryland Saturday. Our focal point this week is championship week because for all the major conferences, it is championship week. So with that, let's dive into our first matchup. We've got a matchup Friday night. The Oregon Ducks, replacement level Oregon Ducks, are traveling to take on the USC Trojans. The Trojans are minus three. Mike, who are you taking? Uh, I didn't even have that. Well, that was on there? First game. They're traveling where? I believe it's I believe the game itself is in Southern California. I'm really, really going to have to go with the Ducks. This is a team last year saying at the same time in the conference championship, you know, time slot around there, they uh, shocked the Utah Utes when everyone thought the Utes were going to win. They're going to rise up for this big game again. I'm going Ducks. I like the Ducks. Ducks. So just so you know, Oregon was not supposed to be in this game, but Washington has COVID. So they couldn't play in the game. So then Oregon was the second place team and they got to play. Well, you know what? That's not that far off and they're playing with the house money. They got nothing to lose. Pin those ears back and let it fly. Nothing to lose. Now, uh, they did get a, 
I'm top going with five, USC. I believe, six recruiting class, too, today. I'm going with USC minus a three here, Mike. Give you me USC that. minus a three. You you go with the Trojans. We took care of UCLA last week when their back was against the wall. Uh, give me USC. So let's move into our second game, Big Ten Conference Championship game, kicking off at noon, which is very unique. Um, Northwestern taking on Ohio State. Ohio State's minus 20 and a half. I'm going to go with Northwestern. What? Taking the points. Wow. 20 and a half points? Can't turn down. Conference championship game? <laughs> you okay. said what? I'm taking I'm taking Ohio State. Those guys haven't played in three weeks since they battered my Spartans. Uh, Look at everybody else who's had layoffs after having COVID in the NFL and college football. They've been terrible. Yeah, well, I'm not – not OSU here. I like the Buckeyes. They got everyone off the COVID list. They're ready to play some football. Give me the Buckeyes. You know, the Buckeyes, I, I, in my opinion, shouldn't even – they're going to get into the college football playoff, and in my opinion, they shouldn't. They shouldn't. Again, again, a different conversation for a different day. We can discuss that next week. So write it down as a future topic. Uh, let's move it. I'm not talking about it again. Let's move into the Big 12 championship here. So we've got Oklahoma minus five and a half against Iowa State. I'm Remember, Iowa State. State beat Oklahoma earlier in the year. Yeah, I'm taking Ohio Iowa State plus the five and a half. Iowa State at a neutral five site a plus five and a half. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to go with Oklahoma. This is a different team than the one that they faced earlier in the year. Uh, give me Oklahoma. I'm back on the Sooners. Boomer Sooner, give me back Oklahoma. Sooners. Man, we're back just opposites fr- this week. This you're is going to be that a major freshman, You're back on that freshman quarterback. Major opportunity. Spencer Rattler, there- let's go. I, right. just think, I just think the point spreads in championship week were pretty – outlandish for some of these games so you're going to notice this trend by the time we get through these picks yeah we'll see about that so let's move into the acc championship game so we've got clemson minus 10 and a half versus Notre dame mike who are you taking here i'm going against my better judgment but i'm taking Notre dame plus 10 and a half whoa 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 <laughs> Oh wow, man! I don't either. This week, either this week, I'm going to be looking for a nice bottle of wine to bring over, or I'm going to be starting to sift through coupons to find good steak specials. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going with Trevor Lawrence minus the ten and a half. Uh, They went to overtime with his backup, who he's not that great. So. I'm going to go with Clemson minus a 10 and a half. I think Trevor Lawrence comes out and puts out. Hey, that, that backup was a top recruit. He was, but he was not. He's not ready. He's so, a bum. He's a bum. He so, lost me a couple hundred bucks earlier this year. He's a bum. Yeah. So let's look at our last college game of the week, the SEC championship game. So we got Alabama minus 17 versus Florida. Mike, who are you taking here? I'm taking Florida plus 17. Oh, man. I'm getting after it this week. <laughs> You're taking all the points, all the dogs here. That's unbelievable. 
Iowa. Florida's a high-scoring offense, and Alabama's not a dominant defensive team this year. I hear you, but I'm going to take Bama minus the 17. They've been bombing everyone, and uh, Nick Saban, you know, he's going to come out. His team's going to come out ready. Last year they were left out, and they're pissed. They're going to come out and just smack some people mm-hmm. around here. Florida's going to lose back-to-back games after suffering that loss to LSU. Oh, yeah. All right, so let's. They're, are, they're not going to win, but they're going to get. They're, they're going to cover the cover spread. Seventeen, seventeen, yeah, yeah all so day long. We'll see about that. I think Big Neek would disagree with you. Yeah, well, he's not here. <laughs> <laughs> so let's move into the NFL. So we'll start with the Lions, uh, as we typically do. So the Lions are traveling to Tennessee to take on the Titans. The Titans are minus eleven. Mike, who are you taking? I am taking the Titans minus eleven. Oh wow! I thought they're we going to beat the Lions. They're going to beat the Lions like forty-five <laughs> to fifteen. You thought I was going to go Lions? Hey, you've been taking the points all day. I thought not you in might. this lifetime, baby. Not I the Lions. I thought you might. All right, so let's take a look. Uh, game two. This is probably the matchup of the week here. So we've got the Chiefs minus three traveling to New Orleans to take on the Saints. Mike, who are you taking here? I'm taking the points. I'm taking New Orleans at home. Wow. If anybody's got a shot at beating Patrick Mahomes, it's Sean Payton <laughs> and the New Orleans Saints defense. Yeah, we'll season. see. We'll see how that works out for you. I'm taking the Chiefs, as I said at the beginning of the year, I'm taking the Chiefs at every single week against the spread. Yeah, well, they lost a couple times. They've the lost numerous games. I think they yeah. probably have more losses against the spread than wins, but I'm still yeah. taking them. So uh, let's move into the next one. So we've got the Seahawks. Who did the Chiefs beat up on last week? Uh, the Dolphins. Oh, yeah, let's get crazy because the Chiefs beat the Dolphins last week. Well, the Dolphins are in the playoffs right now. Yeah, so is half the league. Uh, just 14 under. teams out of 30? Just under, yeah. You don't, the NBA's got a play-in tournament. Hey. You don't even have to winning, have a winning record to get in the playoffs in professional sports anymore. It's ridiculous. Hey, man, we'll see how everything plays out. But uh, let's talk about this thing here. So the Seahawks are minus five and a half. Traveling to take on the Washington football team, the leaders of the NFC East. Hmm. Who you got here, Mike? Big, big, big matchup for both teams. Byron, are you ready for this? You got to be taking Russell here. I'm taking the points. Wow. And the Washington Redskins (laughs) defense. No, the Washington football team. Oh, yeah, the football team. Yep. The All Washington right. football team. Plus five and a half. I normally don't like teams traveling across the country. Hey, if their coach beat cancer, they can beat Russell Wilson. They've been kind of out of it the last few weeks, but I think they're going to wake up from their slumber here and take care of the Washington football team. We'll see what happens, but I'm going to take the Seahawks minus the five and a half. Keep dreaming, buddy. That defense is awful. Man, this is going to be – if these picks hit for me, I might be in the league come next week. We I'm, have so many hey, variants. 
I am basically sabotaging my season right now. Hey, that's fine with me. So last game of the week, we've got the Browns minus five taking on the Giants. Mike, who do you got here? Byron, I'm taking the points, and I'm going <laughs> with the four and one Giants in the last five. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I said today I was looking at all of it. And I said, there's some big spreads here. And I said, I usually overthink these. I said, I'm taking the points in almost every one of them. Oh, my gosh. I'm going to take the Browns minus the five. <laughs> How many games didn't I take the points in? One? Uh, just the Titans. Yeah, just and the Lions. Titans. You may Titans as well flip that one and take the Lions. How many points is Oregon getting? Oregon's getting three. Oh, I'm, I'm going to probably lose that. But yeah. Everything else, surefire winner. You feel great about, awesome. dude. Where's it? Where's get eight one zero analytics on the phone? Somebody call Corey Smith and let him know <laughs> I'm going on a run this week. Take awesome. points all day long. Speaking of that, let's talk about some locks here. So I was starting to hit a streak. I had one back to back. I took the Saints. They got dragged last week against the Eagles. Um, so. I'm back at you. I'm coming with a double take here. So my first lock, the Bucks minus six versus the waning Falcons. Uh, give me the Buccaneers minus the six points. I uh, really I like that. Like what Tom Brady and those boys are doing. Coming out of bye, they're feeling good. I like to see them take care of business here. They're coming out of the bye this week? No, last week was what them coming last, out of the bye. What did they do they, last week? They beat the Vikings by two touchdowns, by two scores. All right, my life's uh, been consumed by NBA preseason. Yeah, you're loving the preseason. Uh, my second lock of the week, I know Mike mentioned I shouldn't do two locks. Don't get cocky. But the numbers align to this. So I like Minnesota plus the 12 versus Wisconsin. So since Wisconsin beat Michigan 49 to 12, they have not scored more than 7 points in a game. They so used it last, all up in Ann Arbor, huh? In their last 3 games, or were they, they at Camp not, Randall? Uh no, it was at it was at uh the Big House in Ann Arbor. They used it all up. Yeah, so digressing back here though. Uh I like Washington or Minnesota, the Golden Gophers to win to uh potentially win this game this is a big rivalry but i definitely like them to cover the spread plus the 12 points so give me minnesota plus the 12 those boys can score they're not great at stopping people but they can score points it's it's probably a good thing michigan canceled the season if wisconsin's been that bad since beating the wolverines they haven't won a game michigan might have been well on their way to having the worst season in like 100 years Oh, absolutely. I mean, people people would have been begging for Rich Rod to come back. Oh, absolutely. This would have been. He at least won, what, three games in his worst season? Yeah, this would have been a historically bad team. If, if, if the Wolverines can somehow figure out how to get either Denard Robinson or Tate Forcier back into school and on the field, we might have a chance to turn this program around. Tate Forcier? <laughs> he wasn't good. What are you talking about? He was all right for a year before they brought Denard in. All right, man. I like Tate. Let's get out of here. Uh, so he beat Notre Dame. All right, he when beat Notre Dame down, when they were down. 
But anyways, Mike, let's get out of here. We've been in these people's ear for over an hour, so let's wrap Jeez. this baby up. Um, so as always, I want to take some time and thank you for tuning in. Uh, we'll be sharing this podcast out. This actually will be more than likely a double feature with last week's episode along with this week's episode. So check them both out. Uh, subscribe to them on the various platforms uh pick your poison we're on all major podcasting platforms and you're able to subscribe to it so that when we post a new episode it's right there for you um oh yeah as always when you see it share it tag a friend tell a friend to tell a friend to tell a friend mike take us home baby well everybody thanks for uh spending time with us today i'm michael scott and I'm Byron Hazley. And you've been listening to the Front Porch Tailgate. Have a great weekend. Take the points. Be blessed. Love you guys.